Kia ora, welcome to episode two, season two of Not Your Average Cricket Show, where we're hitting traditional cricket commentary for six. I'm Zoe George. And I'm Justin Gregory. We're following all the action from the ICC Men's Cricket World Cup in England. We're going to bring you analysis, cricket puns, local legends, cricket-related current affairs and guest hosts every week during the tournament. You can join the conversation on the RNZ Vox Pops app or email us cricket at rnz.co.nz. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public or at rnz.co.nz forward slash series. And of course, you can listen to us on the RNZ app. On today's show, we dissect the results from the first round of games, including last night's Black Caps game against Sri Lanka and Cardiff, and we cross to our Corrie on the ground, who's former Black Caps paceman Ian O'Brien. RNZ's Clay Wilson gives us his picks for players to watch, and we chat to a local legend. Today we're heading to the rural South Island to meet Malcolm Jones, a.k.a. Jonesy. Today's guest co-host is a handy all-rounder in every sense of the word. When she's not representing New Zealand with the bat and ball, she's busy coordinating sport for the next generation of athletes. Anna Peterson joins us from our Auckland studio. Kia ora. Kia ora, thanks for having me. Welcome, welcome. Handy right arm off-break spinner. What was it like taking a hat-trick against Australia in a T20 in 2017? <laughs> that would have been a career highlight. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember much of it, to be fair. It was um, a bit of a blur. Um, and I don't think my phone has blown up as much afterwards <laughs> either. Um, so, no, nah, it, was, it was pretty cool, pretty special. You seemed a bit surprised by it all in the press conference afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I wasn't really expecting to be throwing the ball. Um, so we'd actually run out of bowlers at that stage, and um, I think it was—I think I was kind of the only option. Um, and yeah, just had Susie and Amy and Maddie in my ear the whole time, which was great, helping me out and telling me, um, coming up with plans and that sort of stuff. And yeah, just worked. I mean, I, it probably helped that they needed—I think it was twelve off the over, so they really had to. They go were for coming it. at you every ball, yeah. weren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Is that what perfection looks like, a hat-trick against Australia? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting pretty close, yeah. Um, maybe a fifer would be nice instead, but yeah. Well, a fifer's more common. Mm. You know, a hat-trick is a very uncommon thing. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And what's your day job? You coordinate in high schools, don't you, for, for the next generation of athletes? Yeah, I do. Uh, I'm a sports coordinator at Botany Down Secondary College in Auckland. Um, and, yeah, that keeps me pretty busy and, um, yeah, have a few few cricket kids that um, knock on the door occasionally and especially with the World Cup at the moment they're always um, wanting a chat knowing what's going on and that sort of thing. Giving your two cents and uh, <laughs> how the game's going. Uh, last year we on oh, Not Your Average Cricket Show we actually covered the White Ferns so it was really nice being able to do that so it's nice to have you in in the studio with us mm, um, and I guess having a day job is, is part of being a female international cricketer isn't it? Yeah, it is for, for most of us, or, or studying full-time, um, a lot of them as well. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I love my job, um, but hopefully one day we get to the point where we don't have to work, and hopefully that one day is really soon, um, especially with a couple of pretty important World Cups coming up. Mm, that's right. We've got 2021 coming up here in New Zealand, and I understand the Memorandum of Understanding between the New Zealand Cricket Players Association and New Zealand Cricket is due to be released soon. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. I think they're pretty, keeping pretty quiet um, while negotiations go on, which is good. Um, but, yeah, I'm assuming contracts are up at the end of July, so we'll have to know something pretty soon. What are you hoping for? Um, oh, Look, I think at the end of the day we'd all love to be um, professional cricketers, um, especially at the international level. Um, there's lots of other things that we'd like um, in terms of 
you know, we'd like the domestic cricket to be better supported, um, having an A programme, those sorts of things. Um, but that that all sort of takes time and, and money, which um, if you look at Cricket Australia, they've got plenty of it, and we're sort of the little little cousins down down the bottom. So, um, yeah, I think it'd be nice if we could get to being professional where we don't have to work. We can have, you know, a squad of 15 or 18 fully contracted players. What would your day look like if cricket was the only thing that you did, if you, that was what you were paid to do, to train and to play? Well, I wouldn't have to get up at five and, and do my training before work oh. and then get home at nine after doing more training after work. Um, I think your day would uh, it'd be a normal work day, really. You'd, you'd get up, go into Eden Park for us, um, similar to what the Aces do, really, and, you know, you'd hit the gym, you'd you'd be um, doing your skills um, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it would just essentially be a normal work day, really. Mm. Well, we're all about advocating for equality when it comes to uh, women in sport and particularly cricket here at Not Your Average Cricket Show. Uh, and Speaking I get... of which, Zoe, the swear jar. <laughs> yes, the swear jar. So, Anna, we have a swear jar. Last year uh, it involved, whenever we had commentators or guests, we, they were not allowed or to call... me. Or you... <laughs> <laughs> Justin, uh, not allowed to call the women girls or batsmen. And so for every time that happened, a dollar was in the jar. This year, it's changed slightly. And uh, and we're looking at lack of opportunity and equality. And, and today, I think it should be the ICC who puts money into the swear jar. I like that. Yeah. yeah uh, and that's because I've just had a read-through of all the list of the, uh, the commentators who are commentating this World Cup. And would you like to have a guess how many female commentators there are? I think I know. <laughs> Is it three? Well done. Out of 24 commentators, there's three. Three females, um, Isa, Goa, Melanie, Jones and Alison Mitchell, all from, uh, two from England, one from Australia. Uh, but it's a vast improvement from the 2015 World Cup that was hosted here and in Australia, where there was a grand total of zero. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, on that note, <laughs> the Black Caps had the opening game of the ICC World Cup against Sri Lanka overnight, and while we expected a win, we maybe didn't expect such a one-sided game. Sri Lanka scored only 136, and the Black Caps chased it down with no wickets lost and in only 16 overs. Yep, Martin Guptill blasted 73 not out off just 53 balls, and Colin Monroe was also unbeaten on 58 off a relatively sedate 47 balls. But it was Canterbury paceman Matt Henry who was a man of the match for his three wickets, and in particular three wickets at the very top of the order, which is just what an opening bowl is supposed to do. I think probably the remarkable thing for me in this game was the ease with which we won over Sri Lanka. There were a few mm. moments when their batting looked like it might get away on us. There was a late partnership. But basically we walked all over them. Surprise for you, Anna? Um, a little bit of a surprise, yeah. Um, I thought Sri Lanka would have put up a bit more of a fight. Um, but then you look at Matt Henry and he's played so much county cricket over there that he's so used to conditions. Um, so, yeah, he did really well. Um, and then, obviously, the two Auckland boys up top just dominating, which was really nice. <laughs> yeah, just another day out for the Auckland Aces, really, wasn't it, for Guptill and Munro? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think this was a slightly different-looking New Zealand team. There was no Tim Southey, there was no Henry Nichols, there was no Ish Sodi. Didn't seem to make a difference. Feels like we have depth now. I think we're finally getting there, yeah. Um, and that's probably uh, from this last summer, is giving all those guys a crack. Um, you know, people like Henry Nichols, he can go anywhere. Um, Tim, yeah, I don't know if that 
if this niggle is a little bit of a you know a sign of thing to come for him, you know he's he's getting a bit old now and um, <laughs> other sound <laughs> <Sally> old. <laughs> well, I think he's the same age as me. Actually, I shouldn't really say that. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> he's been in there a long time as Tim Sally. Yeah, yeah, he's a store. Yeah. An experienced player. Veteran. And, uh, let's move on. <laughs> Speaking of veterans, former international paceman Ian O'Brien is a man who likes a good green top. Have you seen those green pictures? Uh, he now lives in the UK with his family and he's going to join us on a regular basis to talk us through the Black Caps game. Ian, fancy a bowl on this Cardiff pitch at all? Yeah, so it's a killer, guys. Um, yeah, I, I was pretty keen on a, on a, on a bowl on that one. It um, looked good, and I dare say the very old 28-year-old Tim Southey would, wouldn't have mind a bowl. <laughs> and bolt... he, start, he, was, he was well and truly started when I finished, and that's almost 10 years ago. Yeah, actually thinking about it, Ian, it is, because we were, we were with the Black Caps at the same time, weren't we? Yep. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> In slightly November different roles. 2009, it's now 2019. And he was um, he was already going pretty good back then, so he's he's really old. <laughs> it was interesting. I noticed uh, from last night's game that Bolt didn't really feature all that much for the ball. I think he got a couple of overs, and that was about it. Uh, yeah, I think he got through what, nine in the end. But um, yeah, every day can't be Christmas. Um, every day can't be the sun can't shine for, for, for one person every day. Um, Henry was uh, yeah three at the top, bang bang bang, and. That um, that means that someone else's job may change, uh, may turn into a bit of a holding job rather than an attacking job, and I think that's what um, you know. You just spoke about the depth. I, just, I think that's what the depth has created. That it's not just the ability to do one job. There's an ability to to change your role slightly as the game progresses, just to match up. And they got that horribly wrong last time they were at Cardiff against Bangladesh. Bangladesh in the Champions Trophy when their jobs completely changed and they got them all wrong and they lost. This time they got it all right and they played well. This was a green top pitch, Ian, but it wasn't fast and the, and the, the, the swing, the movement was still reasonably slow. Was it just simply not very good batting on, on, on the Sri Lankan side? Oh, it was both. Uh, it was definitely both. And when you... Um, it didn't go sideways. And this is, this is the thing about Cardiff. It's not a quick, it's not a quick pitch. Uh, and that the grass there doesn't really um, doesn't the ball doesn't really grip and go sideways. It just sort of kisses and just skids on just a little bit quicker, so it doesn't slow down quite as much as you expect it. And you saw a couple of the nicks. It wasn't through movement. It was just because the ball just skidded on quicker, and so you end up nicking it because you're not quite in the right place at the right time. And I think that's what um, that, that they were the frustrations and they were the, the part of the, the dismissals. But I don't. Look, they put bad balls away, which is great. They didn't put that many good balls away, which you kind of still have to do on one-day cricket. Um, they got out to a lot of good balls. Uh, well bowled, not great batting, but they're not a good team at the moment, Sri Lanka, in terms of one-day cricket success. I suppose I shouldn't be surprised, but people, including you know, learned commentators like myself, were picking spinners to have a big impact on this World Cup. But it, in all the matches so far, it's been the pace bowlers and the genuine pace bowlers who have made the difference, hasn't it? Yeah, and it's been... Well, you know, the short ball has cost a few run, it runs so far in the tournament. It's also picked up quite a few wickets. I'd, mm. I'd really be interested to see sort of the, the, the RPO versus strike rate of the short ball at the moment. There's been a lot of short stuff and there's been a lot of uh, top-edge wickets uh, and sort of pulls to, to mid-on where it's just got got on the batsman a bit quicker. But it's uh, the uh, it's, well, today's the first official day of summer over here, if I'm not mistaken. Um 
and you expect at the start of the tournament, you expect um, fresher wickets and towards the end of the tournament, and that happened in the Champions Trophy uh, a couple of years ago. Um, the, the quicks were, were successful, and then towards the end, it was the, the guys that had the uh, the variations around changing the pace of the ball, the, the, the spinners and the, and the medium quicks. I wouldn't see that being significantly different, but at the same stage, the super quicks are always going to take wickets. Um, that's just cricket. <laughs> well said. I'm not used to an English nation and an English team being as confident as they are. Is that how it feels on the ground to you? Do the English think they're going to win? No, that's not terrified. No, English is <laughs> no, they're terrified of not winning because they have such a uh, such a good team at the moment. It, it, it's hilarious over here. The the uh, they don't want to believe that they have the best, and they look, they have got the best team in the tournament. They're head and shoulders the the best one day uh, cricket squad, cricket team uh, in the world, and that's that's not even a debatable. Uh, at the moment, they are just that. Good. Everyone does their role, and everyone does their role significantly better than than most others and other teams. The the problem is, is that it's just hard. <laughs> it's so hard for this nation to um, to believe that their team uh, can win every every football World Cup since '66. Yeah, we're going to win it. Football's coming home. Nah. And so and so now they actually <laughs> have, do have a chance of uh, of winning a, a World Cup, a cricket one. And yeah, they're just a little bit um, timid about being so confident about it, which is hilarious because they're head and shoulders the best thing in this competition. Doesn't mean they can't be beaten. What about Colin Munro? Is this the innings where he comes good for New Zealand? Uh, look, that's an interesting um, having him at the top of the order. He's done it a bit for Worcester, Worcester over here um, in, the, in the T20 competition. It's not, a, not an unusual position um, for him, but I like it because I think he... I think he Oh, sorry, Cole. I think he, he just struggles a little bit in the middle of the innings, and that's when he comes in uh, often. I do think he's. Um, I think it's a pretty good move having him at the top. So we still think, despite the English um, ability to bottle it at the at the, the wrong moment, you're still predicting them to win the World Cup. Um, look, it would, be, it would be a shock if they didn't. Um, just given their one-day dominance in the last couple of years, basically since New Zealand broke here. Uh, last and, and taught them how to play cricket. They've run with that, and it's been a it's been a real oh, big change in terms of how the how the team has been picked and how the team has been um, uh, ordered, and, and and the unit and the, the the confidence that they all have. They've um, they've really blossomed, um, and it would be it would be a massive upset if they didn't. Again, I said you know every team is beatable, uh, and I certainly think England is beatable. You go back to the Oh, Capeton, uh, the last World Cup, uh, last time I was in New Zealand, actually, and 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 they were they were it was almost done before lunch in, in a one day game like like today's game. So they are beatable, and that's a long time ago. But there is those crazy things that happen in cricket. But it will be tough. It'll be a big uh, a big upset. Um, uh, it happens. It happens in short form cricket. And Ian, before we let you go, each week we're going to ask you about a pro tip. This is what happens whenever we get uh, someone of a your... Pro tip. Uh, yeah, pro tip. can be anything. Oh. I know we're going to put you on the spot right now. Mm. Sheesh. <laughs> uh, pro tip, if you want to bowl an outswinger, let your little finger do the work. There you go. Little finger on your bowling hand is a right armour. Let your little finger lead first. There's your pro tip. That's a fantastic pro tip. Nice little one. Little finger... Thank you, man. Lead first if you want to bowl an outswinger. 
And of course, what you can't see is up here in the studio in Auckland, there's both Anna and I trying to work out with our arms how that actually works. <laughs> so right arm coming over, leading with a little finger. When my outswinger wasn't working, I used to actually stick it up like an aerial. So I had my two fingers behind the ball and my little finger was up like an aerial. And the batsman was like, what? what is that? That actually locked my wrist in a good position to bowl an outswinger. I wouldn't recommend doing that all the time, but that was a little thing that I every now and again did. Stuck the you aerial. Know, I think I've seen you doing that. I've got this mental image oh, of you doing yeah, wow. I was just, it's basically just doing rock and roll fingers as much as possible. <laughs> Throwing goats are the opening batsman. Yeah. Throwing goats! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was Ian O'Brien. Thanks so much for joining Not Your Average Cricket Show this morning, and we'll be talking to Ian again next week. Uh, now let's move on. This morning Australia played Afghanistan and won quite easily by seven wickets. David Warner and Steve Smith returned to the team and got a predictable response from the crowd, but it was their skills that talked loud. Artist. Warner scored 89. Australia chased down 207 to win. Anna, no great surprises here, eh? I actually thought they were going to do it a lot quicker and a lot easier. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I think I thought Zampa was quite pretty pricey, to be fair, for for their best spinner in the team. And I guess I'm a bit critical of spinners at the moment, but um, yeah, <laughs> I, I thought they could have done it a lot a lot quicker and a lot sleeker as well. You know. Um, their opening batters could have just knocked it off, but, you know, let the middle order do the work. And Adam Zampa wasn't perhaps the league spinner who was expected to feature in this game. Rashid Khan had a pretty quiet game for Afghanistan. Yeah, he did. He did. And it looked like his length was all over the show. So um, I don't know, maybe he's just adjusting to the pitches over there and conditions and stuff. But, yeah, I was expecting a bit more fire from him. World Cup debut for Afghanistan, maybe just some nerves. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, it could be, could be. Um, and against Australia as well in their first first crack, it's not it's not the team you want to come it's up just against. Just a quiet little game, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> and it I wasn't actually, the dominant David Warner of old either. It was a fairly cautious sort of innings. Is this a development in 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 his game, or is it just the day, or what do you think? Oh, it could be anything. Could be nerves. Could be you know, is um, you know, coming back from obviously the. Sandpaper incident um, could be anything, um, but I think he was probably in the back of his mind. If I was him, I would say that I just want to get the job done, no matter how long it takes. Just mm. make sure I get the job done, and that's probably what he was thinking. And he would so. have prepared himself for the response from the crowd when he walked out. I mean, you know, if you do something that's not in line with the values of the game, of course you're going to get called up. You just have to talk to a particular New Zealand cricketer who's currently not in the team about dealing with crowds like that. Yeah, and and again, moving right along. Um, <laughs> Anna, you've played in front of some pretty big crowds. Can you really prepare yourself for a crowd response? No, absolutely not. No, I um, recently, I guess, in, um, when India were here, we had played at Eden Park and the crowd just grew and grew. And I think towards the end of the game, there was about 17,000 people there and you you genuinely cannot prepare yourself for that. You know, I walked out to bat um and and what was quite a tight situation in in the back of my mind, and I knew that you know I just needed singles to win the game, and that's that's it. And then I got out there and I heard the crowd, and I was like, I could do something amazing. I could make the crowd go even louder. <laughs> and honestly, and it was just first ball, and it was just I'm going to hit a six. I can do. It. I'm just going to hit a six. And I tried it, and the crowd was just roaring, roaring, and got caught on the boundary. Um, and Quiet dressing room when you got back inside. Um, no, it wasn't actually because it was it was we were out in the uh, we weren't allowed in the dressing room. 
because um, it was such a oh, long walk. The, so I had to, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was probably louder. And <laughs> it's probably the worst place to be, to be fair. But no. So what, do, what, do, what do you learn from something like that? Um, you learn how you react to those situations, which is obviously a good thing um, with the women's game growing. Um, so at least, at least now I know um, what my, I guess, what my natural reaction is, and that I think is always to go big. Um, and then from there, it's sort of training yourself to realise when you can or when it's appropriate to go big, and when it's appropriate to just to stick at it. Um, so yeah, I like even though I had an absolute shocker and <laughs> tried to knock it out of the park when I didn't need to, I've learnt so much from that day and that one ball um, in that crowd so hopefully it puts me in good stead for, for years to come mm. Absolutely and someone else who's been uh, playing a few big strokes of late is Ben Stokes and he has been a pick of uh, RNZ sports journalist Clay Wilson, he picked six players to watch at the World Cup and Ben Stokes was one of them Clay joins us on the line no real surprises there Clay, Stokes is a pretty amazing player yeah, I have to say, I don't think um, out of any player at the World Cup, there's someone that actually can individually impact the game more with the skills they have. Um, someone who's capable of opening the bowling, probably with the pace and accuracy he has. And then, of course, with the back, we saw what he did in that first game against South Africa. It can be destructive and it's a triple threat because we saw what he did in the field. Everyone will be well aware of what he did in the field against uh, South Africa. So a player like him, um, capable on his day of really winning a game for England. So um, someone I'm sure any of the other nine teams would love to have in their team. Mm, absolutely. Yes, and one team should have him in their team, but never mind. Should be a Canterbury wizard, but let's move on. I've said that already. <laughs> so who else are you picking, Clay, in the other teams? Who who do you think is going to be the impact players for them? Yeah, well, I think across the teams, there's a, there's a number of players who could stand out. Um, I look at the, the other team that are being tipped as title contenders, a team like India, and they've got a number... I think the one I picked was Hardik Pandya, and he's a similar player to Stokes, you know, someone who can bowl above 140 kilometres an hour, um, can come in and do really destructive things with the bat. And then in the field, it's, it's like a modern-age Indian player. We're not usually renowned for seeing India players being so athletic and brilliant in the field, but he's really as part of this modern generation of Indian players who are, who are brilliant in the field and just super confident. So he's another player who I, who I looked at. And then um, you can't go past the West Indies. Um, they've got a number of players. We saw the other night what they did in, in their first game. Um, and the one I picked out was Andre Russell. Um, had an amazing IPL. He hasn't played a huge amount of one-day international cricket. Um, obviously, certain things going on at the West Indies over the last number of years in terms of not their top players not playing for the international team. But he's come back into the fold. Um, I don't think there's someone in world cricket that hits the ball harder. I certainly won't, wouldn't want to be at cover or mid-off when he was um, in that sort of mode. Um, and then the other night, bowling 145 kilometres, fast, short, scary bowling. Um, so someone who I know a lot of teams will have their eye on, be hoping that he doesn't, he can't do too much damage to them because if he gets going, so similar to those other guys, just someone who can win matches for you. So there are certainly people that um, punters, you know, pay tickets to get in the door to come and watch because when you see that sort of stuff live, it's pretty amazing to watch. Mm, and uh, at the moment, there's a few injury concerns around Andre Russell and Chris Gale. Uh, Chris Gale kind of keeled over in the game the other night. Um, Bless be... him, that's an age concern rather than injury <laughs> concern, isn't it? <laughs> at 39, you can probably excuse that, but yeah, I think 39. It's, uh, yeah. With a, player, with a player like Gale, you probably have him in your team if he's 60% fit, don't you? 
Chris, no singles, Gail. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there were some big shots there. And even when he uh, hurt himself, he was still hitting them for six. It was incredible to watch. Who else have you got on there, uh, Clay? Who are some of the other ones that we should be keeping an eye on? Um, well, I actually went for a New Zealand player who was a little bit left field. It's Colin de Gronholm, and um, we saw in the game overnight uh, how he can be very effective with the ball in these sorts of conditions. And with the bat, he's someone, if he's in for a certain amount of time, he can change the game because um, he's so powerful and he just plays with that confidence. And sometimes it's as downfall as it can be with a lot of players. Um, but we just we, we can see on a number of occasions what he what he can actually do if he gets going. Um, so he's someone from New Zealand who I thought was just really, um, in a certain situations, can can probably be the difference between a win and a loss for New Zealand. Um, moving across the Tasman, I looked at Australia, and, and the player that stood out to me was Glenn Maxwell. You guys were speaking about yes. David Warner, and of course he can do brilliant things, but Glenn Maxwell was someone who, um, with all three facets, uh, his his offspring can actually be very, expect, uh, very effective. Of course, he's a batsman primarily, and he plays these shots that you just leaves you sort of with your mouth open, thinking, "How the hell did he do that?" Because he's just someone who's got this natural ability to play the ball anywhere. Um, so Australia have obviously got a number of great players in their team: Warner uh, alone and Steve Smith, the likes of these guys, and Mitchell Stark with the ball. But I thought as an all-round player, um, Glenn Maxwell stood out, and someone who's got a lot of experience as well. So. Um, he certainly won't be daunted by the big stage that the World Cup brings. Anna, what do you think of Glenn Maxwell's off-spin bowling? Uh, it's effective. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, I still think Nathan Lyon's got a lot more to give in that team. Um, As a limited overs player? Yeah, I, th- I still think so. I think he's got value. Um, but then, obviously, Glenn's batting, you can't. A little bit better than Nathan. Just a little bit, yeah, mm, yeah, mm, yeah. Mm. Only a touch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks like Australia have gone for it. in recent times. Adam Zampa, the young leg spinner, is their number one sort of spin bowling option. And if they play two spin bowlers, then Nathan Lyon comes into the mix. But I totally agree. I think Nathan Nathan Lyon is an underrated white ball bowler. Um, even at twenty twenty level, he's he's been very effective. So. Someone, if they needed to play two spinners, I'd be more than happy to bring him into that team, and I'm sure he'd do a good job. Who are you picking to make an upset? Everyone's looking at Afghanistan and wondering when they're going to arrive and whether they'll pick up a win here and there. You think they will? Yeah, I can't see them not upsetting uh, one or two teams at this tournament. Last year's Asia Cup, I think they beat Bangladesh and uh, Pakistan in the group stages, and then they came within a whisker. They actually drew with India. Uh, in the knockout stages. So that just goes to show, and we also saw they beat Pakistan in the warm-up matches. Um, so I, I think, as a team to watch, the, the teams that I think really are going to perhaps upset the chances of some of the top teams of making those semi-finals, uh, Afghanistan and West Indies also as well. I don't think they're going to be consistent enough to make the semi-finals, but we saw, we saw what they did in that first game and they're capable of beating any of the other big teams on their day. So I think it's a team people, the other top teams will be on notice with certainly looking at them thinking, we want to make sure that we don't, um, especially with the ball, turn up and and not just get complacent and think they're just going to roll them over because um, but they're certainly going to get two or three wins. I think that could prove really, really crucial in terms of determining the semi-final places. That was RNZ sports journalist Clay Wilson. I'm interested to see if his picks come true.
beautiful shot. We have a new segment on Not Your Average Cricket Show called Local Legends, where we talk with people who are doing their bit for the game around the country. Every year at the New Zealand Cricket Awards, community awards are handed out to those who are making a big difference. This year, the Volunteer of the Year went to Otago Cricket stalwart Malcolm Jones. He's been the Otago scorer since the early 80s, is the chairman of the Otago Country Cricket Association, is on the executive of the Otago Cricket Umpires and Scorers Association and is a passionate advocate for Monu Park. Jonesy, as he's called, is a real salt-of-the-earth guy and I was able to chat with him him about the time he was on tour with the New Zealand cricket team at Lords. There was a rain delay and I was playing playing cards. I think we were playing Euchre, I think with Mark Plummer and Ken Rutherford, maybe Chris Pringle. And the phone went in the dressing room and somebody said, Jonesy, the phone's for you. And I went, no, don't be stupid. And there were, there were always a few people trying to get in on our game. Um, they, they insisted. So I got up and actually... It was. They were calling me from the Paul Byrne Hotel and uh, it was just like the weirdest thing. Well, I'd never been out of the country before, to be fair, so it was, you know, longest time away from home and to hear some hear some pretty some pretty good friends chatting on the other end of the line was a bit of a surprise and quite humbling. Um, actually, it might have been my birthday, so that could have been why they were doing it. That's a fantastic story. Yeah, just the the publican's wife at the time, she, I don't even know how she got through, but I think it was just by a directory service. And she asked to speak to Lords and she said she got through to a telephonist on the other side of the world and said, I'm looking for Malcolm Jones, who's touring with the New Zealand cricket team. And the lady said, I'll try the dressing room. You've got to put it in perspective. It was 1994. Don't think cell phones have been invented, so we were still, you know, still using the old phone. Not the old crank handle one, but still using the phone with the dial, so it was quite quite outstanding that she made it through. New Zealand Cricket's 2019 Volunteer of the Year, Malcolm Jones from Otago. He has plenty of stories to tell. Good on, Jonesy. Ah, oh, nicknames, eh? Cricket nicknames. They can be so creative. Not that one so much, but I understand you've got a pretty creative nickname, Anna. What is it? Oh, it's not that creative. Um, it's it's Wolfie or the Wolf. Or There's lots of different adaptations of it over the and years. And why is the question that's coming next? Why Wolfie? Well, I try and come up with really cool reasons as to why. Um, you know, like I, I used to say that um, I lived in Canada and we had like a, a, a wolf, you know, sort of sanctuary sort of thing. And, you know, I was kind of like a Mowgli almost, you know. Um, that didn't really fly with people. But I, um, <laughs> my first ever development tournament we played, do you know the game Mafia? No. Oh, so it's like sort of like a, you know, you go around and you kill people and, you know, try and figure out who the murderer was sort of thing. Right, okay, um, yep. And there's a, there's a werewolf version of that. And my my version of the story is that I was the werewolf and I killed lots of people and so I was really good at the game. Um, and therefore I got called Wolfie and <laughs> just stuck since then. That's your version of the story. What are other people's versions of the story? I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> Fair so, Wolfie, we're getting right near the end of the show. <laughs> Let's uh, look at predictions for the next week of the tournament. It's going to be a busy one. Mm. We've got South Africa versus Bangladesh, England, England versus Pakistan, Australia versus Sri Lanka, South Africa versus India. 
what are you going to be looking out for over the next um, week? What game's catching your eye? I like the South Africa versus India game. That's going to mm, be cool. That's um, going to be a biggie. Yeah, I, I love South Africa. I love the the vibrance that their team's got. Um, and every, I know everyone's predicting that India's going to do really well at this World Cup, but I just feel like they could get they could get hit pretty early, um, and I reckon South Africa could, could do it. And of course, the game that we're looking out for is Bangladesh versus New Zealand on Thursday the sixth. What did what did Sophie Devine call these games? Uh, banana skin games, ones where mm. you can trip up really easily. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's a bit of a worry. Yeah, I, I I have full faith that our lot will will do the job. Um, but yeah, you can't be too careful against uh, teams like Bangladesh, especially the fact we've played them so much recently. And um, yeah, could yeah. be a could be an interesting game. I think we're going to be fine. Uh, I, but I'm the game that I'm interested in watching this week, uh, other than South Africa versus India, is Australia versus the Windies. I think it's mm. going to be so much fun. I agree. And heartfelt, I think, will be that um, encounter too. They'll both really want it. And there's mm. always a bit of spirit in those games because there's so much history between those two teams. Mm. And you would have heard Ian O'Brien give his pro tip earlier on, which we caught him on the spot with doing the same to you. <laughs> What's your pro tip? Um, I think for me, especially in recent years, it's been finding finding your reason for, for playing. Um, and I like to call it finding your why. And I, I coach quite a bit um, throughout Auckland and I think it's a big thing for females at the moment um, in the sport is finding out the real reason why they want to play cricket. And I know for me it's, it's the people. You know, you do it because um, you love your teammates and you want to hang out with them and, and do the best for them and... Um, yeah, I think if they if kids who are really keen on sport, not just cricket, um, but just really keen on sport, if they find their you know real reason why they want to do it and just do it with gusto and go go hard, so yeah, that's kind of my my tip. I don't know if that is a tip. Or I think that's a fantastic yeah. tip. Yeah, no, terrific. So when you when you ask kids what their why is, what sort of answers are they coming back to you with? I think it changes between age levels. You ask the little kids why they play and it's um, sometimes it's because they want to be a black cap or a white fern or an all black or whatever it is. Um, and most of the time it's just because it's fun, mm. you know. And Which has got to be the first reason, doesn't oh, it? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and then you, you're talking to sort of teenage girls who are playing school cricket and you ask them why they're playing and some of the time it's to get out of class. Um, <laughs> and Another yes. excellent reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but again, a lot of the time, and I think this is with female sport in particular, it's because you get to hang out with your mates, you get in a bus, you get to, you know, all this sort of stuff. And, you know, I remember um, taking our girls, we had a fixture against King's College, their girls team, and... We drove into the school and their jaws just dropped and they're like, oh my gosh, this is like Hogwarts, you know? <laughs> and they were just blown away. And, you know, it's little things like that, like getting to interact with other other kids in schools and, yeah, I think that's a big, big thing for it, yeah. I like that. Finding your why. Justin, I do wonder sometimes why we do Not Your Average Cricket Show, but actually, <laughs> because it's fun. Oh, I'm in it for the money, Zoe. I don't know about you. <laughs> money? What? <laughs> And that's it for Not Your Average Cricket Show. <laughs> Thank you to Ian O'Brien, Clay Wilson, Malcolm Jones, and, of course, our fabulous co-host, Anna Peterson. Thank you very much for coming along on a Sunday morning. Oh, awesome. Thanks for having me. Not Your Average Cricket Show was produced and presented by me, Justin Gregory, and Zoe George. The engineer is William Saunders, and the executive producer is Tim Watkin. Subscribe to every Not Your Average Cricket Show podcast at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public, or at rnz.co.nz forward slash series. 
And while you're on Apple, please rate us by clicking on ratings and review, then the stars. It's dead easy and really important. This way more people get to hear about us. And if you want to share your picks for the winner or tell us how we're doing, then email us at cricket at rnz.co.nz. Nuhal, order mine. Catch you later.